Hello, prayer friend. Once again, thank you for listening in to our prayer cast from AfriChrist Prayer Ministries, the ministry that reaches out to the busy person, the millennials, the professionals of all fields, and to the underchurched, uh, often unreached people. These podcasts are the ones that help you to develop footsteps with impact in your prayer life. We believe the scripture that says that the steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. We also believe, just like Jesus did and the disciples, Paul and the prophets of old, that our prayers should have impact every time. And so we believe in praying with impact in our ministry. Jesus never prayed a prayer that failed, and he never sent out a command that didn't achieve its intended purpose. He prayed and commanded with words of impact. We are confident that the Bible-based prayer principles that we teach never fail. The Bible says that God's word never comes back to him void. If our prayers are initiated of the Holy Spirit, as it says in Romans 8, then they will never come back void to us. Please thank you again for listening in. Download this and send it to your friends. We would appreciate if we recommend our prayer cast to your friends. Uh, we would also appreciate if you recommend our app, Afri Christ, to your friends. This app can be downloaded from the Apple App Store, and also the Google Play Store. It's the same app for both platforms. It's very well done, and it reaches out to people like you. Thank you once again, and may God bless you as you're listening. Thank you. This is Sam Kawesa, your host, thanking you for tuning in today. Whether you're listening by Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, YouTube channel, or even straight on online from our site, I thank you for tuning in once again, and I know today you're going to be blessed by this topic which uh, we are going to discuss about prayer. And today our topic is titled, The Need to Apply Your Inbuilt Impact Prayer Power. Why do I say it that way? Because you know what, this has been something that's been going on in church since um, even the times of Paul. Paul, uh, after he saw the Ephesians, he went to the Ephesus and he realized that these were men and women of God. The church was growing strong and he was happy with them. But except for one thing, they did not realize the power that's directed towards them from the Lord. And he started in Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verse 15, he says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and our and your love for the for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those who he called his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand. And that's the key right there. He prayed for them that I pray that they may understand the power directed towards us who believe. Basically, he is saying that there's so much power that God has directed toward us to use, but we don't see how that is. Now, what was Paul talking about? First of all, he commended them for their faith. So it wasn't about the faith. They have the faith, but they are not using the power. And so he is praying that God will reveal this to them. And this is 
our topic today so that you may realize the power that's directed toward you who believe and that once you believe it's not just enough to have faith and you need to use that faith some kind of way and one of the ways that God has chosen for us to use is through prayer and many churches whether evangelical or uh, other denominations be it catholic we have this misunderstanding about prayer we think it's a routine that we have to do one way or the other we are so methodical about it but we don't realize what we are unleashing it's like having a child who has this gun in his hand but doesn't know the power that's in the gun so he keeps uh, you know trawling it around and trying everything on it and lo and behold one day he may pull the trigger and trouble may come there's so much power in that pistol or that gun but this child does not understand the power therein this is what paul is saying he is saying that i pray that you may understand that god may give you the wisdom to see the power directed to us word who believe and how do we release this power or what is this power today our topic is going to show you that this is really our power this is within us already it's in build all we have to do is learn to use it or know that we can use it so you see everyone has faith and we are assured that in Romans 12:3 where it says that to each one of us God has dealt uh, or given a measure of faith so that means we all have some faith in there but how do we use it it's like having the seed that you are not planting in the ground it will not uh, uh, produce that uh, which is supposed to produce in fact in Matthew 17:20 Jesus compares our faith the faith that's within us to a small mustard seed he says you know just as this small mustard seed can grow into an enormous tree that feeds and shelters and supports many our mustard seed faith so to speak can move enormous mountains in our lives and prayer is the vehicle necessary to transform our faith from our spiritual being into our physical realm in which we live Prayer is the heartbeat of the believer. It is a necessity, not an option in this transaction. So we have to realize that in order for this to happen, in order for things to happen from the spiritual into the uh, physical world, we need prayer. And see that prayer doesn't have to be uh extended prayer. In order for us to worship, even hear from God, we need prayer. Sometimes prayer is secluded. You could, you know, you, you could cut off yourself from others. Sometimes it is public. You could be in a public place in a, you know, in your home or in, in in church or wherever it is. Sometimes it is quiet and sometimes it's loud. Sometimes it's long and then sometimes it's of short duration. Do not be bogged down by uh, the methodology. In Romans it says that you know we know not what to pray, but the Holy Spirit through groans and moans he gives us the things to pray. Once you are in the spirit, the Holy Spirit who connects with God, he knows exactly what you pray because God says that he knows what we are going to pray before we even start to pray. So why not depend on the one who knows what we need to pray for in order to produce impact in our prayer. See, prayer is a form of worship. The Bible in John uh, 4:24 says that God is spirit and they that worship him do so in spirit and truth. And that's all we need to be in in spirit and in truth. What does it mean in spirit? We know not what to pray, but the Holy Spirit who does. 
he knows the heart of God and he knows our own. And then also to worship him it must be in in spirit and in truth. What is truth? Truth is his word. So the Holy Spirit cannot give you anything other than his word. And we know one thing, the Bible says that his word never comes back void to him. So if we depend on the Holy Spirit to give us the prayer, it will be in spirit and he's giving us truth to speak to the world is going to happen the same way God created this universe. That's what Paul was praying for the uh, Ephesians. He says, you know, I see your faith, but you know what? I've been praying that you see the power directed to us word who believe. See, God seeks out a praying people. You know, it's a wonderful thing to say, oh, I'm seeking God. And many times we do that. We say, oh, I'm seeking God. I'm doing this. I'm looking for God. Sorry. Many times that's what it seems like. We are continually seeking. But we forget one thing. That it's much more wonderful for the mighty God to seek you out. And how does he seek you out? You know, how could an immortal and Almighty God really seek out a mortal, weak, and imperfect man? The answer is twofold. It's First of all, it's because of his great love for us, that agape, unconditional love. And then secondly, it's grace, whereby it's not by what we have done, it's not by what we haven't done, but it's unmerited. We don't even deserve it, but his grace drives him to seek us out. Then we realize that he wants a certain relationship with us. It's not forced, but it's a desired relationship that he wants with us. And it's freely established when we open or allow our spirit to meet with his spirit. So if he's already seeking out for us, why aren't we making ourselves available to be sought out by him? John 4.23-24 through 24 says this, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's the scripture I was trying to explain. So, you see, it says that the hour cometh, and it is now. In other words, any time you set out to pray, regardless of the hour, it is that hour he's seeking you. So, you know, you don't have to wait for Sunday. You don't have to wait for Friday night prayer time. You don't have to wait for... He is seeking you. Once you determine that this is the hour, then God is seeking you already. Now, also in Second Chronicles 16.9, it says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So not only is he seeking you out, he also wants to strengthen you. So to strengthen you in that prayer. So don't go there thinking, oh, I'm not an intercessor. I'm not this and this. I'm not a pastor. I'm not whatever. Oh, I just got born again. I just came to know the Lord. I don't know the scriptures. No, it says here that for his eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So the key is for you to be fully committed to him. Now, you ask yourself, what does the eye of the Lord mean? Because we just said that uh, his eyes go back and forth. 
Now, does God, is God a creature? No, we've just seen he's a spirit. So he does not have these eyes rolling back and forth. But I want to give you a picture to show you what it is like for the Lord to be seeking you out or his eyes to be seeking you out. So you can see basically what God's eye is next time you are praying or you think about this. You know, um, just remember one thing also. God is all-knowing and he's ever-present. It doesn't matter where you are, he's always present. He never slumbers or sleep like the Bible says. So now imagine this though, to see you know, to understand what the eye of the Lord is. Imagine an orchestra playing a song, okay? The conductor stands in front of, of the orchestra directing. Every member plays their instrument with a different sound, but in concert. It comes out differently. A flute is different than a guitar, than a trombone, than a trumpet, okay? The conductor's ear is attentive to each instrument. He knows and hears each instrument at every corner of the orchestra, okay? He directs his hands. With his hands, we see him moving up and down, calling one side and fading another, signing each, each player in or, or signing them off or posing them. He is in charge, but each musician is in control of their instrument, okay? Every musician is, is in control. However, this co- uh, conductor, he is in charge. He's sovereign, so to speak, over the orchestra. But he has delegated the control to each musician. The flute player, he has delegated that to them. And he tells him, this is the song and this is what you're going to play. But he directs him when to play, how to play, how low or how high. Okay, you get the picture of the conductor now? He's going up and down with his hands. Actually, it looks very beautiful many times when you look at these people and he's conducting, he's going this way and the other. Now, This time, though, think of his ear as the eyes, okay? Just envision God's eyes are like this man's ear. They can feel the music from every angle. He doesn't even have to turn his head. He just knows that the uh, flute is coming from my left, and then he can tell it to go up, 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 and then he can tell them to go down, 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 and then he tells this other person, you know, whoever is playing whatever instrument, That's how God is with each one of us. He is sovereign, but he has delegated uh, us with the authority to control our lives, which is our instrument. He has given us an instrument to play, but he has given us the control of it, even though he's sovereign, okay? But you can take that instrument and play outside of the orchestra. But as long as you're in this orchestra room and you're playing this song that he's telling you to play, you are going to do as the um, instructor tells you. God, like this instructor, has an intimate knowledge of each one of us. We are his musicians. And our instruments, he knows them, which is, you know, our instruments, you can call it like our calling or or our, our talents that he has given us. He knows and understands each one of those instruments. And he knows at what pitch they would play, you know, or when they would come into, the, into play in the orchestra. That's how God is. We are his musicians. He is a conductor. He's sovereign over the whole thing. If he says no more play, you know, when the conductor says no more, then the song is done. Okay, but I want you to see one thing. After an orchestra plays a song, 
and there's an audience look, uh, listening in and enjoying the music, when they are done, he turns around to the audience and they start to cheer. That's how God is with us. There's a, a cloud of witnesses around us. You know, they're watching our orchestra. And God is with us. He enjoys with us. Remember in the last podcast, we talked about the talents. And we talked about the man who gave the talents to, uh, to uh, his workers. And when he left, or the silver. And when he came back, the Bible says that, and he rejoiced with those who produced. Basically, you say, he rejoiced with them. Those who doubled up when he gave them the money to spend, he rejoiced with them. Okay? That's how God is. That's how the orchestra is. You know, prayer brings us in this, in his presence. So you think about it as this vehicle. It brings us in his courts so, so that we can play. He brings us to the music room so that we can play in this orchestra. That is prayer. You know, we can play the instrument of, of our lives, whatever it is. Okay, and if we decide to play the wrong way, we could be out of harmony, and that's what happens even in the music hall. It's funny, you know, you can take your flute and play out there, you know, wherever you want to play, but you are out of the orchestra, you are out of the will of the Father. Prayer brings us in this orchestra, and it brings us in intimate contact with our conductor, who is God. And his will for us, okay, is stated in, in Jeremiah for us to, Jeremiah 29, 11. If you remember my, one of my favorite verses, if not, it says that he has a plan for us. And the plan is for success and not for disaster. When we come and play in this orchestra, it's not a plan for disaster. It's to have harmony so that we can play well in this orchestra. Prayer is key to individual and church spiritual growth, okay, and maturity. We need to understand that. Without prayer, a church or an individual is like driving a car that has punctured tires. You can move that car. It can go. You'll go slower. It will be a rough ride, and you may not make it. That's how it is without prayer in church or with individuals. If we do not pray, if prayer is not part of our Christian walk, we are nothing but a car with punctured tires. We may get places and people say, oh, he made it, but you know what? It's a rough ride. So put prayer back in your life, in your church, in your congregation, in your fellowships. Put it back. So now we're going to look at two examples of uh, prayer. Okay? There's the individual prayer, and I'll bring you two examples from the Bible, and also group prayer or corporate prayer as we call it, or fellowship. Okay. Now, in individual prayer, I'm going to bring the uh, pray, what I call the praying duo. The praying duo is two ladies, you know. Their names are really very similar. One is Hannah, in, you know, and then the other one is Anna in the New Testament. Hannah in the Old Testament and Anna in the New Testament. Okay? Individual prayer is intimate and is one-on-one encounter with our Creator, the Father. You know, the, the Bible, you know, really encourages us to be joyful as we pray without ceasing. We shall see this example in Thessalonians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Now, what does that mean? 
Is that all we live for, just to pray, you know, in our Christian walk? Because it says pray without ceasing. Uh, in fact, in another version, though, it says never stop praying. So we should always be in the prayer mode. I call it the prayer mode, not the prayer mood. See, when you're in the prayer mood, you only pray when you feel like it. When you are in the prayer mode, whether you're in mood or not in mood, you'll be a praying person. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean that we are constantly just praying and we are like walking zombies? No. What individual prayer does, it's, uh, it's just like a form of worship of God, okay? Our fellowship with Him. It may be a, a petition, it, you know, for help or some, you know, for something very urgent, or it may be a way you fellowship with the Lord or praising Him. It may be in song. It may be in uh, um, just statements. It may be long, like we saw before, or it may be short. But it's a mode, not a mood. It's an it's a M O D E mode, not a mood. M O O D. When you feel like some people feel like praying just on Sundays, and they'll tell you, "Oh, today is Sunday. I'm not gonna do this and this. Oh, today is this." It's not about the day, my friend. It's about the mode of prayer. Let us look at examples of two women in the Bible. One was uh, in a prayer of continual fellowship that included fasting with long-time goal of waiting for the fulfillment of a prophecy, you know, waiting for the birth of the Messiah. The other was the urgent petition of a barren woman, you know, that led to the birth of a prophet, Samuel. So now, it's because of these two women, because of their fervent prayers, the biblical landscape was changed forever. Because from one of them, Hannah, in the Old Testament, we see Samuel being born. You know, she was younger because she was in a uh, um, childbearing age, so she must have been younger, okay? Uh, but she was focused on prayer, just like the older lady. They show us that fervency and perseverance in prayer are inseparable. Those two things go hand in hand. You know, they lived in different uh, times of the Bible, but each prayed and waited for a child, Samuel and Jesus. It is interesting also, as you read about their stories, that many times when they are describing Jesus as a child and Samuel as a child, they use the same language. They use, you know, the same characteristics, like the child grew in character. And it's almost like you could just take one and put it in the Old Testament and, and the other one in the New, and it, you'd, it, it would be the same person. Okay? You know, so Hannah shows us the example of importunity. You know, Jesus uh, in the New Testament talked about it, you know, about the judge. You know, this woman kept going and kept going until she received what she needed from a judge who wasn't a good judge. Okay? Hannah here shows importunity. She went and prayed and prayed because she wanted a child. And Anna, on the other hand, shows us perseverance in prayer because she continued this uh, as an older woman. In fact, the Bible says that her husband died, I believe, seven years after they were married. And from then on, she just went into the temple and she prayed waiting on a Messiah until she was a very old woman through prayers and fastings. 
that is you know the prayer of perseverance okay now it doesn't mean we all have to go through the same thing praying and waiting for all the, that many years but god wanted to stretch it to show us that yes you can pray for a long time before something happens but it will happen and then for for hannah he shows us yes if you keep coming and keep coming and keep coming it can happen in nine months that's the pregnancy okay so now in first samuel um Chapter 1, verse 9 through 15, it says this. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said to the Lord of hosts, If thou wilt indeed look on me, on the affliction of your handmaid, and remember me, will give unto thine handmaid a man-child. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thine wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my heart before the Lord. Man, this lady explains it so well. Now remember, I, I said earlier that you know prayer may be quiet, Prayer may be loud. For her, the Bible here says that she just moved her lips. It was a quiet prayer, but it was intense. It was so intense that even the man of God did not recognize it. Many times when you are in the spirit of prayer, people will not understand you. People will call you out for things that you are not doing. He is drunk. He is backslidden. He's done this and the other. Don't worry. Just stay in the spirit because they that worship him must worship him. And the time, the hour is now, as we saw, worship him in spirit and in truth. You keep going to your God in the way that he has called you to do. Your lips may be moving, but your vocal cords may not be saying anything because you are doing it in spirit. And he knows and understands your spirit because she says, I have not had draw a strong drink but have poured out what my soul before the lord guess what the lord the one who understands our prayers as he says in romans 8 1 that we know not what to pray but in groans and moans we pour our hearts out the spirit pours his heart out through us that's what she was doing she was living romans 8 1 beforehand so as you can see sometimes you will be misunderstood but if you are in the spirit the holy spirit will give you the way to pray because he knows the heart of god he knows your heart he knows the spirit of god and he knows the words god will give you that will have impact guess what it wasn't long anna had a baby nine months of results okay so now don't you worry what people are saying you're gonna have impact because you'll be praying the spirit 
of God. You'll be praying as the Holy Spirit gives you his word. Remember what uh, scripture we read in Ephesians, what Paul says, the, you know, that <laughs> I pray for the eyes of your understanding to be open that you may understand the power directed to us word who believe. Here, the man of God, Eli, did not understand the power directed toward her who believed. And that's what's going to happen many times when you are praying with impact. People will not understand. You may not even understand, but stay in the spirit, okay? Now let's look at Anna. Anna was the older lady in the New Testament. This is in Luke 2, 36-37. I'll only read those two verses. It says, There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. So you see Anna? Anna, from the time she lost her husband as a young woman, they, they were only married seven years. Think about it. In those days, they were marrying younger. Okay, so maybe she was a teenager. Let's say she was 16. That means at 23, she lost her husband. So she went to the temple and was praying and fasting all that long. Here, God is trying to show us the two possibilities in prayer. There's the short form, powerful, with impact, praying with impact that Anna had. You know, is it a wonder that their names are almost the same? You just put an H on Anna and you get Hannah. So now, in order to show us the kind of prayer that we can pray, we are seeing the short prayer of, of, of Hannah and the long prayer of Anna. That's how God is, man. He shows us how the things are. The power directed toward us who believe is immense. That's what Paul saw in the Ephesians. He said, these are people of faith. I've been impressed by your faith ever since I heard about you. But there's something missing here, man. There's something. You are missing the power of prayer. And so he prayed to God, open the eyes of their understanding, that they may understand the power directed to us who believe. That's what it is. We need to understand this you know, prayer power. Prayer was a powerful tool in the hands of these otherwise common ladies. And it transformed them into biblical prayer giants. With, uh, whose example we are using even now. These were unknowns. They were unknowns. But there's power. There's power. Power to a barren woman. Power to a widowed woman. How much more do you need? How much more do you need? Listen, use the power directed to us what who be, believe. Don't neglect prayer. Okay? The psalmist letter says in Psalms uh, 103 verse 9, He settles the barren woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Doesn't that sound like Hannah? He settled her in her home. She was barren. But now he, she's a mother of children. The world told her you are barren. God says, no, 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 you have children, including a prophet. See, Anna, through unceasing prayer and fasting, reaped the reward of seeing and welcoming the Messiah, Jesus Christ. You know, God gives to the world. This woman prayed for uh, ever since she lost her husband, you know, of seven years. Okay, prayer has its rewards. There's a commercial. 
membership has its rewards. But guess what? Prayer has its rewards. You know, God rewards the people of faith who diligently seek Him. That's what it says in Hebrews 11.6. What does it say? But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and He is a rewarder of them who diligently seek Him. So now remember, we were talking the power directed to us what we believe. This was the individual. How about corporately? You know, our a group, you may be a group of two. You may be a small group of people who meet every so often in your home. And you say, you know what? Or on your job. Some jobs allow people to have Bible study. Jesus told us basically, you know, what a group is. You know, prayer is an equalizing force, okay? It equalizes everybody in the, in, in the body of Christ. It doesn't matter who you are. There's no one bigger than the other. We think there is, but really there isn't. Because once you pray in the Spirit, it's the same Spirit. Remember the Bible says the same Spirit in uh, who rose up Jesus Christ. We saw that in Ephesians. The same Spirit. So... The same spirit is in you. The same spirit is in the uh, intercessor. The same spirit is in the prophet. The same spirit is in the bishop. The same spirit. He that is within us is greater than they that are in the world. So that spirit is key right there. That's why to worship him, we must worship him in spirit and truth. And spirit only gives you truth, which is the word of God. And the word of God never comes back void to him. Okay? So your church group or whatever it is, Bible study, it doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be in a certain geographical area. It doesn't have to be in a small church or in a mega church in a one country or the other country. It does not matter because it's the same spirit who will indwell, the same Holy Spirit who came at the day of Pentecost and indwelled these uh, so un, uh, men who people are saying, oh, they're unlearned. That's the same spirit, okay? So you don't have to be that super spiritual intercessor. You don't have to be a minister of the gospel, you know, but as long as you are praying people, God is going to, to show himself strong because what his word says his eyes are looking to and fro looking for someone in whom to show himself strong he doesn't say looking for a bishop to show himself strong he doesn't say looking for the intercessor group leader to show himself strong no he says someone someone many people are without office like hannah she didn't have no office but God showed himself strong because his eyes looked to and fro, okay? Obedient Christians, you know, those are the ones that God is looking for, even as we have seen. Those who are going to believe that he is able to do much more than we could ever ask or even think. That's what he, he says, okay? So now, um, prayer matures Christians. It matures individuals. And corporately, it matures a church. Because being in the presence of Jesus imparts unimaginable wisdom. You know, there's power and revelation. There's knowledge. You know, it's similar to what we saw in the apostles, like I was trying to tell you. Like in, in Acts, um, in Acts uh, chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. 
and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And that's the key right there. These men were ignorant, unlearned, but they had been with who? Jesus. Peter and John. The people around them saw them and said, man, these people are walking in power. They have such boldness against the enemy, the powers of darkness. What is it? And they say, oh, they perceived that they had been with Jesus. Now, when the enemy perceives that you've been with Jesus, guess what? The enemy knows what to do. Run. Okay? Jesus gave us the minimum requirement for group work. In other words, don't wait for a whole bunch of people before you can hold a prayer meeting or a fellowship meeting in your house or on your job. Or don't worry if your church is in a mega church and you're a pastor of this small church. It does not matter. The disciples were just a few of them in the upper room. But look, even today, their prayer is reverberating 2,000 years ago. It is still making waves in the heavenlies and on earth. That's the same thing that would happen to you, your church, your small group. If you pray, if you are faithful, if you come to him, if you are in the presence of God. You know, let us look at this in Matthew uh, 18, 20. He said, when he said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Let me tell you, Jesus makes the majority. Jesus makes the invisible visible so I want you to understand that if you have been with Jesus things will happen you will have impact in your prayer okay so for there to be a viable church growth among us and when I say church growth I'm not talking in necessarily in numbers even though that's okay you know that is the sense of increasing new believers in other words bringing new people in I'm not talking about church shifting you know so your church may grow because you know people are coming from the different churches no I'm talking about new believers as it was in the Old Testament I mean in the New Testament the disciples in the book of Acts didn't have a church to draw other members from they were the ones creating the waves that were causing the people to grow church. That's what we need to do, okay? That's what I'm talking about. Church growth in the true sense of increasing new believers and as well as maturing believers. You can have these believers who are not maturing and that's what Paul was talking about in, to the Ephesians. They needed to grow and see the power that's directed towards them believe. There's work to do. Okay, there's work to do out there. Okay, we are not talking about shifting believers. We are talking about new born again believers. Shifting believers are the ones who move from this church to the other church. And then you say, oh, my church grew and blah, blah, blah. But you got these people who are not changing, who are not maturing. They just came and the church wanted to change to a new church. It has better lights, it has better music, it has blah, blah, blah. No, we want people who are maturing so that they may walk in power, so that they may take the gospel out there. We have every tool today to take the good news to the people. But you know what? We are not doing it because we don't have prayer under guarding our work. Okay, We have to start maturing. We have to continue prayer. We have to be like Anna on one side or Hannah on the other side. That's what God wants us to do. 
the, the you know the Bible says the disciples were always prayerful prayer, prayer to making big decisions you know even among themselves in their little group they would pray they would pray for supernatural wisdom you know and we saw that in in, in, in the book of Acts let me read you on Acts 6, uh, 6 verse 3 through 7 wherefore brethren look ye out among you seven men of honest report full of the what the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to what? To prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, see that? When they had prayed, they laid hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of priests were obedient. You can cause those long-term people who say, oh, I've been born again like 10, 15, 30, 50 years Guess what? You you cause them to be obedient to the Holy Ghost because it's that time to recognize the Spirit of God and the power directed to us who believe and the power that the Holy Spirit awakens in us when we pray so that we may pray with impact, okay? Here we see that um, to the disciples after the ascension of, uh, of Jesus Christ, prayer was central in their life. In specific ministry appointments, there was increase in the church numbers. And I'm not talking about church numbers as in shifting, but increase in church numbers as in harvest, okay? Obedience and adherence to the faith by church leaders. Have you noticed that (laughs) obedience and adherence to the faith by church leaders is waning? We have more personalities than church leaders, we have church leaders doing things where their allegiance is to, to the money instead of the gospel. Here we see that their allegiance increased to the word. This is what the Bible says, that you know the priests and all of them, they became obedient to the word, which means that they were doing some things which would, we would classify as disobedient. And we see that in the church today, where the God that a lot of people worship is money. The God that people worship is things. Am I against those things? No. But you know what? We should not, we should not make them our gods. See, while the resistance to the early church was mostly from, you know, an external religious source, you know. They were being attacked, they were being persecuted. Today, it's the spirit of apathy. Apathy, you know. And that spirit is insidious in the sense that it will come in nicely, quietly, and sit down with you all and change you all. See, I always say this, the spirit of compromise does not come with a big sign on top of the head saying, my name is compromise, I'm coming to get you. No, it is insidious. And one of the ways is to take out those things that, that uh, indicate power, like the blood of Jesus, the uh, suffering of the cross of Jesus, and uh, prayer, prayer. You know, where prayer is just a side thing a sidekick 
when prayer should be the most important thing, you know, next to the word of God. You know, prayer within our churches and our homes and our fellowships has to increase. Okay, not necessarily just in the amount of prayer, but in the importance of prayer. Because when you see the importance of prayer, sometimes it's going to be a short prayer like Hannah's. Sometimes it's going to be a long fasting prayer like Hannah's. That's recognizing the power of prayer and the importance of prayer in our lives. And like I said before, it could be short, it could be long. And so for this second part of the uh, um of prayer, you know, that the corporate prayer, we have to look at those things. We should not compromise prayer. We should not compromise teaching of prayer. Our ministry teaches about prayer. The disciples told Jesus, teach us to pray even as what John told his disciples. So even before Jesus, John was teaching the disciples, his disciples, how to pray. Then Jesus comes in and gives us this prayer. Remember our last podcast was about the Lord's Prayer. Jesus comes in and he sets the principles that we see in the Lord's, what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's about prayer and the power in prayer. We have to go back to the basics. We have to go back to what the disciples did. You know, that's the doctrine of the disciples. We are losing it in our lives, in our families, in our churches. Okay? So, this unnecessary damage of this driving this car with uh, punctured tires, which is driving our faith without prayer, has to stop. We have to change. And people who think, oh, I am so busy, I, I don't need to pray this. Uh, just remember Hannah. She didn't pray long. But guess what? It was long enough for the religious man to tell her, you are drunk. So you're going to be told you're drunk. You're going to be told, oh, you don't do this because you don't practice this. You don't do the other. Whatever it is. Because you have decided, I'm going to separate myself so that God can show me how to pray with impact. So my friends, uh, let me finish by reading you this um, verse in, in Acts 6, 2 through 4. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who we may appoint over this. But we will give ourselves to continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word we have to continually commit ourselves to prayer and ministry of the word yes we can have people do different things in ministry appoint those people to do those things teach them there are many young people in the church who are who could do all your electronic stuff that you like to do who could do all those things mentor them culture them into this you concentrate on the other two things. You'd be surprised how much those young people produce. You would be surprised. I really believe one of the reasons church in Europe is dying is because they never took care of the young people. They never gave them the word of God. They never let them run the other part. And if they did, they did not make sure that these people full of the Holy Ghost, full of the Spirit. Let me tell you, when you got someone, some young person, minding the uh, um, 
instruments and they are full of the Holy Ghost, the music that young people will, pre- will produce for your choir, your orchestra, you, it will surprise you. But they have to be full of the Holy Ghost. It's not just about their talent to play the guitar. It's about the Spirit of God in them that will cause them. Look at David. David played so that even soul, soul get into the Spirit. There were other uh, good players at the time who could play the instrument, but David had the Spirit of God directing him to play the notes. Each note was with impact. So now let us pray and ask God to help us to be a people who will keep prayer in the midst of all that we do so that we can pray with impact, so that we can be like these disciples whom people realize that they were ignorant men, okay? But they had been with Jesus. How do you be with Jesus? Be in prayer. Stay in prayer. God will lead you. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. I come before you, Lord, thanking you for this message that has also enriched and helped me to understand the power toward us that you have directed toward us who believe. The power of prayer that Paul was crying out for the Ephesian church. Those were people of faith. But he said he is praying that God will open the eyes of their understanding that they may see the power directed toward them that believe, toward us who believe. Father, in the same way I'm praying that my brothers and sisters out there will see the power directed to us word who believe, that they will see the power in praying with impact, that they will see that if we listen to you, if we let your spirit direct our prayers, even as it says in Romans 8, 1, we shall pray with impact and things will happen as we saw for Hannah. And sometimes we may be kept long because sometimes some people we are praying for, they are a long time coming to turn around. So we need to stay in prayer. A mother may be praying for a child. A father may be praying for a, for, for a spouse. So whatever it is, Father, we are asking you, Lord, that you may uh, you may lead us to be people of uh, conscious of your power, of your prayer. Give us the perseverance that we need when it's time for perseverance. Give us the time to pray with impact when it's, it's a short petition that needs to be taken care of, to know when to come to you, oh God. Father, there are people out there, they may be sick and they need a quick prayer of impact, Father. Some people may be praying for a child who is hooked on drugs or somebody, a, a spouse, a friend, whatever it is, and they are praying and they have tried all kinds of programs of healing and nothing has happened, Father, and they want uh, they want assistance like right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you show them in your word that you're able to do those things, that with faith, We can pray with power and impact. That's how Jesus prayed. He never prayed a prayer that never came to pass. Father, in the name of Jesus, even the disciples, the Bible says that when those people saw in the book of Acts that these were ignorant men, but because they have been with you, they saw the miracles that were happening, the healings taking place, how they were convincing even those who've been in the gospel for a long time. And those priests, uh, they they started being obedient to your word. That's why the Bible talks about the... uh, the doctrine of the disciples, Lord. Father, we ask you that 
people will understand the power in prayer and that it's already innate in us. Dear Lord Jesus, even as you said in your word, that um, the faith that we have in us is just like a mustard seed, but it will grow up into a huge tree that is impossible to please you without faith. And that, Lord, Heavenly Father, with faith we can tell this mountain to uh, move from here to there, the mountain of of, of debt, the mountain of uh, so-called impossible things. Father, we pray that you help us to understand the power directed to us who believe. Thank you, Father. Be glorified in everything. Teach us your word. And we come to you even as the disciples came to you. Jesus, your son, and said, teach us to pray, even as John told his disciples. We thank you, we glorify you, in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, my friends, I pray that this blessed you, even as it has blessed me. Listen to it again. Look up the scriptures. Let the Holy Spirit guide you in your prayer life. And don't forget to pass this message on to other people. Listen to us and please subscribe because it helps us to know that you're listening or for you to receive the new messages uh, either on our website. You can go to our blog. We have a blog. It's called, uh, you can go www.prayingwithimpact.com or you can listen to these podcasts online again, africhristpodcast.com podcast not podcasts so africhristpodcast.com you can download our app from the google play store or you can download it from the apple's uh, app store and you can listen from that one and it will also show you many other things that we do there are so many ways you can reach us uh, you can get us and we thank you for listening in again god bless you be with you please pray with impact amen 